welcome to another episode of Nerds Amalgamated. This is a very special one. We, we're talking about Star Wars after the huge, huge release of The Rise of Skywalker. And joining me today, I have Bucky. Hello. How's it going, Bucky? Oh, mate, I'm absolutely fantastic. <laughs> and I also have me today is Luke from the legendary Sons of Obi-Wan Lightsaber Academy. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Oh, Merry yeah. Christmas and Happy New Year. All right. Well, let's talk Star Wars, gentlemen. <laughs> All right. Well, let's start off with your, your first impression. What did you guys think? I loved it. But I've grown up with Star Wars, and I like I've seen some of your posts on Facebook, and yeah, I'm an epic, tragic Star Wars fan as well. So, uh, okay, I I, I might I yeah. might get some really I might get some raised eyebrows from this. I will say this: yeah, when you see it the fir- when you see it the first time, like when you see it on the on the on the screening itself, it's really cool. It was really fun to watch. But as, and then when you try, and then when it sinks in, you just go. There's something really weird about this movie. Um, here I, we I, go. I really struggled with it. Right? I'm obviously I'm a massive Star Wars fan. I own a lightsaber school, but um, so my girlfriend's not a Star Wars fan. Right? She's just so not into it. You know, she met me when I was a DJ, so she likes that side of the yeah. creepy nerdy side. <laughs> and um, she sat next to me. We, like we did the red carpet for Last Jedi and for Rise of Skywalker. And the last, I don't know, half hour of the Last Jedi, I was an absolute emotional wreck. I just loved it so much. I love Luke. I love everything about it. Like the Last Jedi really resonated with me. And the thing I loved about it was that let the old things die. I really, like, don't get me wrong, I love Star Wars, but that story's been told to get that. Let's move out into the wider universe and see what else is going on, you know, because that, that was the driving message of last, of last Jedi was let the past die. You know, it's time to let the new generation come in. Mm. And in this film, they did the exact opposite of that. It was a complete yeah. 180 degree Instead of letting the past die, here's every single thing you ever loved about the past in a movie. Yeah, you know, it was. I mean, be- oh, oh, sorry. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, so uh, I was gonna say, yeah, they just retconned. It. it was like damage control, basically. Yeah, well, I think that's why I had a problem with it, right? Because because I like I unashamedly love this stuff. Like my three favorite Star Wars properties now, as of now, are Mandalorian, Rogue One, and The Last Jedi, and they're all Disney output, right? And the amount of crap. I have copped for the last two years because I was a fan of The Last Jedi is something that is always forefront on my mind because, you know, I I am supposed to act ashamed that I like The Last Jedi. If you, you know, like I have a lot of those, oh, you're not a real fan and I'm like, son, I own a lightsaber school. I'm the most real fan you will ever meet in your life, you know, and I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. I do know. It's something I hit consistently. Like I have people... It's mansplaining. You know what I mean? Like, like if you're a real fan, you, you know, you should hate this. And I'm like, you know, how about you put down $250,000 of your hard-earned money and try and tell me that I'm not a real fan, you know? And so I went into this film, like, I never go in with expectations, but I kept 
it felt like they had a... I intimately know all the problems. Like, I've been just calling them neck, right? I don't know what the correct term for them, the, the anti-social justice warrior movement. I don't know what to call them. Um, uh, I, just, I, mean, I just call them social in, justice warriors. Yeah. No, 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 no. They, they hate the social justice. These yeah, are the no, ones but, that are... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, but because they're so annoying, I just call them social justice warriors just to annoy them. <laughs> the anti-social justice warriors. Um, and so I just saw the movie as a laundry list of all the things the neckbeards didn't like and how JJ fixed it. And so every time a box got ticked, it slapped me in the face and I'd get kicked out of the movie and I'd be like, oh, damn it, that was for the neckbeard. So I admit I haven't seen it a second time. I think it needs another viewing i just haven't had time like it's been really busy for us but i like there are some there's some stuff about it i really love but there was some stuff i really hit roadblocks on as well like really hit roadblocks on yeah there was there okay i will say this there was some aspects of this movie where you go no you did not do what i just what i think you just did <laughs> are, we, are we talking spoilers Oh, are we just going to get straight into it and warn people? Yeah, okay, folks. If you haven't seen the movie and you don't want to get any spoilers, which let's face it, it's been a couple of weeks and you've probably heard it from people anyway, even though they shouldn't. This will be full of spoilers. (laughs) In in income, the spoiler alarm. Okay, Chewie getting the medal. I went, when that happened, I went, yay. And then I felt so dirty. I'm like, oh, dude, like they did doing that before, you know? So I, yeah, I really, there's some stuff in there I loved. I'm not saying like I did a, I did my own sort of review on it about a week afterwards. And the first thing I said was, don't expect to hear me say JJ should be hung from a long arm or don't expect me to say it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. I'm going to give a nuanced response. Mm-hmm. You know, and for me, the nuanced response is that it is very much. I mm-hmm. found that if you like the Last Jedi, you're going to have problems with this movie, and if you hated the Last Jedi, you're going to love this film because it's they're philosophically the complete opposite of one another. Mm. But just a question though: Do you reckon that the medal that Chewie got was a special one just for him, or the way I looked at it was? Someone that actually found Han's medal and given it to him because they were so close. It doesn't matter whose medal it is. It's just, dude, like, oh, you know, like, (laughs) don't get me wrong. I cheered. I went, yay, Chewie finally got his medal. And then I'm like, oh, they so didn't need to do that. (laughs) Yeah. I just just felt really conflicted, man. I, you know, and that's unusual for me because I just love Star Wars for everything it is. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? It's like pizza. You know what I mean? Even bad Star Wars is still Star Wars. I mean, yep. you know, I, I, I lived through the prequels. I'm yep. old enough to have done all three lots. You know, I, I saw Star Wars when I was four years old, so that was 1981, mm-hmm. and fell in love with it. And I, I did all the prequels at, um, you know, the cinemas and stuff, you know, yep. the midnight sessions. Like the these last two are the only ones I haven't done midnight sessions for because I've been at the red carpet, but otherwise I would have been at midnight. And, yeah, I just really left the cinema just feeling not bad, not good, just confused, man. I just – I didn't know how I was feeling and I couldn't work it out. Yeah. 
I like how um with you know how we were earlier talking about the rise the, the last Jedi and how it was damage control. I like how the relationship hey? between yeah the last Jedi uh, the last Jedi and how the rise of Skywalker was damage control. I like how they retconned the whole romance between Finn and um Rose. Like in the in yeah. the last Je- yeah in the last Jedi they were like love they were becoming friends to lovers and then in the last in the rise of Skywalker it was just like. Oh, they're just friends. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. But you see, but even they... again, I can, I can hear you talking about the, you know, pandering to the social justice warriors. They didn't like her, so what happened? Finn goes, come on, we're going on an adventure. And Rose goes, no, I can't because Princess Leia needs bang on. <laughs> so I didn't oh. know what I mean. It just, they were just roadblocks, man. I'd be into it and then it would kick me out of the movie and then it would take me five minutes to get back into it again? Does that sort of make sense? Yeah. No, um, I, actually, I actually went and watched it in midnight session with the DJ and, um, yeah, we were sitting there and I was I was laughing at different points the whole way through and yeah. making comments. We're, we're, we're laughing to each other like um, when they land on the planet looking for the dagger. Yeah. And <clears throat> it's like the Burning Man Festival. <laughs> totally, and I was I was sitting there. I turned to the DJ and I said, "Up oh, here we go. Disney's let the hippies in. We got the Burning Man Festival taking place. <laughs> the, hi- the hippies are taking over." <clears throat> but, so, you know, yeah, it's just it feels like a lot of box ticking. That's the problem I have with it. It feels like a lot of box. Ticking. Yeah, and here's another. Here's an interesting thing with um. J.J. Abrams, when it comes to when, when it came to Star Wars, the whole um, Millennium Falcon in the begin in the beginning, like the whole Millennium Falcon skipping, I'm just thinking to myself, oh my god, is this a Star Trek ripoff? Yeah, <laughs> well, to me, I'm just going, oh god, no. It, it, <laughs> hence, all the force doesn't work that way. Like <laughs> we spent our whole life, you know, like again, I was really into the extended universe and stuff as well. Yeah. And if you all of that extended universe stuff is as soon as there's a gravity well, it doesn't work. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah, a, yeah. A, a standard thing across all Star Wars. And I'm like, oh, but that's not how it works. That's that on, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Like, like, it's cool. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying by any stretch that I hated it or thought it was crap. But I'm just hitting these roadblocks that just stuck me in. So, gentlemen, speak to me. What were your favorite parts? Ooh, my f- um, my favorite part would be when they had to tr- go to the planet to, um, to get three PO's memory restarted, but hacked, and and when they revealed Finn, um, Poe's um history as a spy stealer, and yeah. <laughs> the gang was like, "You're a spy stealer! You were a spy stealer! I didn't know that." <laughs> um, I've got I've always had a love of the droids. So for myself, it was actually um, R2-D2, BB-8, and the new little droid. Dio. Ronnie James yeah. Dio. Yeah. When when um, Dio is there and he's meeting people and he's like, no, 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 no. And they're like, no, he's he's okay. He's a friend. And yeah. it's just like R2-D2 sits there and they help fix him up and all that. And yeah, he's still got that hesitant attitude, but yeah, you can see he's been an abused droid, but he's sitting in with his friends and R2-D2's there, like the 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 ancient warrior that's standing guard over him and keeping him safe kind of thing. Because like, as far as droids go, R2-D2, 
Yep. Is Yoda. Absolutely. Because he's been well, there since the beginning. And so we don't know how old he is, but he was around before the very first movie. Well, um, I don't know how much you know about sort of movie theory, right? But you know how I said a minute ago that um, George Lucas was the Quentin Tarantino of the 70s, right? Yeah, yeah. The thing, the thing about he was really good at stealing stuff from other people, just as Tarantino is now, right? Mm-hmm. So there's an old Japanese film called Yojimbo, right? And the whole movie is seen from the perspective of two dudes, a tall dude and a short, skinny dude. And that's who R2 and 3PO are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And so what's, you know, like, uh, like I was talking to someone the other day and I was saying that the best Star Wars are the ones, like, the one probably problem with The Last Jedi is that it was really, everyone was separated, right? And 3PO and Chewbacca are the ones that observe and sort of do a running commentary on what's going on. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And the thing is, when that doesn't happen, when they're not around, it feels weird because they're, they're giving the every person reaction. Like 3PO is so in, so self-involved. You know, he's like, oh, me, 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 me. I believe this is our, you know. Whereas R2 is the one that actually gives you a genuine reaction to stuff. Yep, yep. You know, and so then when you don't have them around, I find that it doesn't work quite as well. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. Like, R2, I love dearly. Man, I love Ray, man. I love that character. She's my favourite character in Star Wars. Like, don't get me wrong, partially it's a carnal thing. Like, I really love Daisy Ridley. But I love the way she portrays stuff. So, for me, like, my favourite stuff was the Ray Kylo stuff. And um, the, the combat, it's the best lightsaber combat that has ever been in a Star Wars movie. Yeah, but see, like, that's, that's the fault of guys like yourself where you're running schools and when you think back like 1977 when they did A New Hope, yeah. it was they had a fencing instructor yeah, and, and a keto instructor was his mate who was trying to give him tips as well. And it was just nobody knew what it was supposed to be and they were trying to come up with all these styles. They were trying to go for a, a cross between French fencing and Japanese samurai. Yeah, totally. And you had like some of the some of the fight scenes were were fairly good, and you can see the French fencing style from when um, Obi Wan and Darth face off against each other. It's the the, the classic stance of on guard. Absolutely, but you and see, then, that's, that's why the, the fighting in those movies isn't as good as some of the later ones. Fencing is yeah. really boring to watch. Oh, I don't know no. if you've ever watched fencing. You know, like it's a very what I mean by that, it's a very technical sport. And if you yeah. don't know what the techniques being used are, it's like watching MMA. If you don't know anything about martial arts, MMA is two men violently hugging for 20 minutes on the floor. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But if you know technique, you go, oh, there goes that hand, he's coming around. It's a whole different experience. And what I found really interesting about the new one is that they've slowed it all down and made it so that people can see it and understand it. Yeah, You know, like they were the slowest performed fights in the Star Wars universe, but they were really, really good to watch because you could actually follow the action and work out what was going on and all that sort of stuff. And it was just awesome. Like, I loved it. Loved it. You see, it's also like the choreography of it was like not just slower. It was more, it was more fluid and it was its own language. 
instead of. But you see that that's the... slower. Like okay, so so for, the, for those of you who don't know what the Suns is, we're a like we're a theatre combat school. So we teach people to fight the way they fight the movies, right? And everyone believes that sword fighting should be really fast, but it shouldn't be because when it's fast, you don't know what's going on, right? Yeah. So what I found is with our fights, I constantly have to slow them down, you know, mm-hmm. because. It's so easy to be like, whoa, whoa, check out how fast I am doing that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Is, is this a PG rated show? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I can't use that enough. Um, it's just, it's so <laughs> rushed and need to get it done that you miss the beauty of it. Do you know what I mean? It needs to be slowed, slowed down so you can see that beauty for what it is. Yeah. I think I know the analogy you want to use there. And it's something I've heard before for a lot of things. Um, I'm, I'm guessing you're, you're going to say the one where um, a good porn scene isn't actually good sex. What, what looks good on porn isn't isn't enjoyable for the actors. I heard that from an old engineer I worked with, and he got, he said, "When when you're, you're doing welding, it's like a, like a porn scene. A, a good porn scene looks good, but it feels terrible when you're doing welding." The way it, it, I explain it, it's like a 16-year-old when they have their first time. They're so excited, they just smash through and get it done, and afterwards they go, oh, right, that's it. What, Where I, I, what I do with the other 45 point. seconds for this minute? That's it. A good sword point is production. Do you get what I mean? You, yeah. Okay. So I did my training with Kyle Rowling, who was a fight choreographer for Star Wars Eps 2 and 3, right? Yeah. He's, he's who I learned how to do theater combat on. And the thing is, is that a fight should tell a story. And the problem is people go, get so locked up in technique that they lose track of the story. Does that make sense? Yep. And so what happens is when it's slowed down, it's like if, you know, if I was teaching you Shakespeare and I was reading it like this, to be or not to be, that is a question we must ask. Ada. You're not going to get the nuance, are you? But no. if you go to be or not to be, that is the question. Like, do you get what I mean? Yep, yep. So if you rush it, you don't get to enjoy the flavour of it, whereas those fights were really good. You could see the strikes coming and you'd know what was going to happen. You'd see him dodge at the last minute. And, uh, yeah, I really dug that aspect of it. Man. Really dug that aspect of it. Yeah, like the thing I was, I was getting at there is it's the Star Wars lightsaber fight is now its own language kind of thing, whereas previously it was a bastardization of the... French fencing and the the Japanese samurai and a few other bits and pieces in there just to confuse it even more. Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. like I I um I actually did fencing in high school and our master was actually he he went through the academy over in Canada with yep. the guy who was the choreographer for A Princess Bride. Oh god, that's the greatest movie fight of all time. Yeah, I love and he. That and he said the exact same thing as what you were doing. You were saying just then, a good fencing mm-hmm. match is different to what a good choreographed scene is. A good Absolutely. choreographed scene is at like one tenth of the speed at yep. its fastest for what a fencing match should be. Because when Absolutely. you do a proper Absolutely. fencing match, it's boom, it's it's lightning quick. And but when you see a good proper choreographed scene. You sit there and you're like, oh, yeah, I can see what they're doing. Wow, okay, that's actually so that's really cool. cool. So that Princess Bride plot, right? Yeah. You think about the first 20 seconds. It's literally like strike, strike, dodge. Yep. 
then I'll have a pause. And then strike, 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 dodge, stop. Strike, strike, parry, parry, strike, stop. So what it is, you, it allows you to sink into the fight. Does that make sense? Yeah. As opposed to just being, ah! that's why John Wick, John Wick's choreography is so good. It's fast, but it's clean, so you can see what's happening. Because the problem is, so talking from a choreography point of view, right, I hate watching Western movies because what they do is it's too expensive for them to ensure the actors to learn to fight properly. So what they do is they use a lot of cuts to hide the fact. Um, does that make sense? Yep, yep. And then if you, if you go and watch something like a Jackie Chan film, right, those boys will spend six months doing all the fights before filming even starts. So they can do a longer run without a cut. So that therefore makes it easier for everyone to see what's going on. Yep. And everyone and, everyone involved in it has got to have had years of training before they even set foot on the that's set. Exactly right. Yeah. You know, because the reason the John Wick movies are so good was that um, Keanu got hooked on Kung Fu when he was doing um, Matrix. Yep. So he's continued training for years and years and years and years and years. And then all he's done is just put it into what he's doing now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's why it's sort of so good watching those films is because they're really, they're lovingly put together. And like, you, have you seen the videos of Keanu training to do them? Yeah. Like all the weapon ranges and stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're insane. And the, the that's sad thing is... Like, that's the training the cops do. Yeah, but the sad thing is is they only show, like, the smallest part of it. Yeah. They don't, they don't acknowledge the fact that he's there from before the sun's up to well after the sun's gone down, doing that over and over and over again. Like, there was one of the videos, you, you can see he's wearing gloves, and yeah. then they cut from one scene to the next. And if you look really closely, you can actually see he's actually got something white coming out from under the glove. He's actually had to yeah. have his finger bandaged because he was getting blisters. Yep because he's been pulling the triggers that, that much for so many months. By the time they actually filmed the John Wick movie, he actually had calluses on his finger. Well, you know that Princess Bride fight? The yep. boys train six hours a day, six days a week for six months to do that fight. Yep. That's the amount of training you need to do proper theatre Does that make sense? Yeah. And, you know, these days, you know, like, I found it really interesting watching Game of Thrones because when you start watching Game of Thrones, no one has any idea how to use a weapon, right? But mm -hmm. by season seven, someone like, there, there's this one random scene, right, where I nearly smack my girlfriend in the face, where um, Jon Snow, when he's facing the zombie hordes, when they attack Winterfell, right? Mm -hmm. There's this one second where he does this perfectly timed swing because a, a long sword's a heavy weapon, so all the movements have to be circular. Yep. And he does this. Perfect technique, accelerate for a strike to cut someone in half. And I was like, ah, because I've only seen that in the movie like two or three times. I know that because I have that action because I use a weapon every day. You know, yep. like I live by the sword now. I teach 20, 30 hours a week in nothing but weapons, weapons training. So I really intimately know what everything should and shouldn't look like. And when I see something the way it should look like, I lose my mind. I just love it. Absolutely, all. I, I sorry to interrupt, gentlemen, but I got a question for you. Would you say um, fight choreographies now, in terms of lightsabers and stuff, they're trying to Im they're trying to be like boxing, in a sense? Okay, so the lightsaber combat, right? So there's sort of 
two ways to look at this, right? Hmm. Most most guys are doing uh, 19.99 lightsaber combat work, so it's very heavily influenced by it's long sword with a lot of kung fu, in it, right? Because mm-hmm. that was the last time we had really really good fighting, right? But it's not becoming boxing. What what sword combat is becoming is that people think sword combat's just using a sword, right? It's not. You use whatever you got: your headbutt, you use elbows, shoulder strikes, blocks, grapples. That's what makes a fight look real. You know, if you're fighting with a weapon, you don't both stand, unless you're a fencer. If you're, you know, if you're doing a, a ritualized form of fighting, like kendo or um, fencing or something like that, you have your distances and you move along your line and that sort of stuff. But the fighting they're trying to portray is life or death. And in life or death, if I need to punch someone in the groin and then gouge an eye out to win the fight, that's what I have to do. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So it's not that it's becoming like boxing. I think what it is is it's more of a fight choreography is becoming more realistic. Like the stuff we teach, man, we're teaching knife fighting now and tomahawk and knife and because for the next three years we're not going to see any lightsabers. But look at that fighting in The Mandalorian, man. That's all knives. You know, like I sort of jumped the curve a bit and I wanted to make sure I was going to be ahead of the gun. But you're yeah. going to see a, a lot more of that using the whole body rather than just focusing on the weapon. And a lot of that, like, um, it's like I'm, I'm an absolute tragic for a, a good fight scene. So yeah. I, like, I, I, I grew up watching Star Wars, but I also grew up watching Jackie Chan and all that. Because Absolutely, man. Yeah, like, yeah. The, the Jackie, Friday night SBS Kung Fu. Like, he, he is an absolute master and mm-hmm. he's always, like, He's one of the one of those guys. He always says, "What I do, I've trained my entire life to do." Yeah, and this this is who I am. And it doesn't matter whether he's doing a stunt or whatever. And they always show the outtakes because. And I remember seeing an interview where he said, "It's he wants people to understand that it doesn't matter whether you're the best in the world, things will always go wrong." Absolutely. And if you got even if you have got professionals who are at the top of their game, things can go wrong and you will be hurt. Everyone's human and everyone has an off day. That's the first thing we teach at the temple. You suck. You're never going to be perfect. doesn't matter, you know, especially in this day and age where all people see the Instagram photos, they think everyone's life is perfect all the time and that there could could not be further from the truth. So That's absolutely right, yeah. I mean, have you you seen Rumble in the Bronx where Jackie Chan gets smacked in the head with a pinball machine and he breaks his leg on Rumble in the Bronx? Yeah, and he he still finished off the movie. Yeah, didn't you know that? He broke his leg. And, like, when he's um, jumping onto the hovercraft um, hovercraft at the end there, his leg's actually in a cast. And he actually fell fell in the water 17 times during that scene. And they ended up having to replace the cast so they could actually finish that scene. And when they replaced it, he actually said, can you do it with a fiberglass cast? Mm-hmm. Because and I'm sick and tired of having to get this replaced. He did the rest of the movie with a fiberglass cast on with a zip-up rubber shoe over the top. Yeah. His, his yeah, whole, absolutely. everything was changed to suit that. And that, that says the, the quality of the actors involved. So when you say, like, with the fight scenes where it's... So everyone, yeah, you were saying, like, the static... On a, on a line fighting, yeah, and like that's one that was one problem I always had with um, when I was doing fencing because I also did boxing and Which is Tai Chi. Yeah, so it's it's literally you're, you're moving in a square. It's three dimensional. You can't you move to put the person into you're in their blind spot. So you got 
more strike capabilities. Yep. And I thought, well, hang on, no, no, fencing's about you, you're there to skewer the other person. You're there to stick three foot of um, steel through their gut. Absolutely. doesn't matter what sort of sword you're using. Yep. I'm going to come to you on your blind side. And we used to have um, different games. We used to actually have a, a thing where you'd actually go around and you have to challenge each other with the I'm um, you killed my father, prepare to die. Yep. And we used to do that. I used to get in trouble because I'd always move to the person's off offside. Yeah. And then I would skewer them under their armpit sort of thing. And everyone would get mm-hmm. upset because I was coming into an area where they couldn't see me. And yeah, even the master hated it because I could move into his blind spot so quickly. And like, I'm, I'm six foot four, six foot five, and not a, a small target. But I could move. I hear exactly what you're saying. Yeah. So, and then, so like a lot of the fight scenes I'm seeing in Star Wars now with how they're doing that, they're moving so that it's, it's actually like you, you watch it and you go, okay, yeah, they actually got someone who's actually paid attention. They've got the John Woo school of martial art choreography coming through where they're moving into the blind spots. They're doing what someone who's an actual fighter would do. Like you see, people are, people are better educated today, right? So if you watch the original Karate Kid, that's all Kung Fu and Tai Chi. As long yeah. as it looks martial arty, it's a martial art. Whereas now, you know, MMA has explained fighting to a lot of people. So that's what I'm finding really interesting doing choreography now is you've got to make it make sense from a tactical as opposed to... So movie fighting for the first 70 years was that looks cool, we'll do it, Right. Have you ever seen that stripper photo of um, uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin fighting and Anakin does that straight walk behind his back? Yes. Yeah, and then someone's photoshopped to make it look like he's on a stripper pole, right? Yep. That block, right, is a totally impractical block for that style of fighting. But Bob, the um, no, not Bob, who was the stunt coordinator? I'm having a blank. I can't remember. Anyway, him, he loved that block, so he put it in, right? But whereas mm-hmm. you and I now would go, that's a dumb block because we're better educated now. Like, they didn't have to worry about what the, the crowd knew before now. So you've got to start making fights heaps more realistic, like heaps more realistic. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, because... and that's sort of the way it's going. And just for anyone out there that's listening who's trying to work out why we're saying that block was totally unrealistic and stupid, trying to do a block like that, it looks pretty, but the reality is that you've got no leverage to stop exactly your own sword right. being pushed into your back. Mm-hmm. So literally, like, even if you stop the first blow, all the person has to do is just lean into it and push your sword into yeah. you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's what we're talking about. Like, that's why it's – and the thing is that you and I, and I mean, like, I'm not a martial arts professional by any stretch. I've done my fair share over over the years, but I'm not exactly a professional, but I can still sit there and talk like a professional and tell you exactly what is right and what is wrong with any particular thing. And that's something you've got to take into account now. You know, like you watch the, the uh, especially my, my favourite one I show my students is show them the Obi-Wan Qui-Gon mall fight. And that's everyone's absolute favourite fight because it's got the staff and it's two people. And then you get them to look at where they're aiming their attacks at. And all the aim, or they're always aimed to attack above the person's head as a safety thing. And once you see that, they're attacking the weapon, not the person. Does that make sense? 
Yeah. And once you see that, that ruins that fight for you. But then it makes you appreciate the Act 3 fight so much more because the first thing Kyle did in all his choreography is, I want to make sure it looks like they're about to get hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's what people look for today. You know, yeah. that's that's where cinema crowds are. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- yeah, we ca- I think we're kind of straying off from the whole fight, from, from Star Wars to fight choreography. But um, can we also... That's, can, oh. that's the... That's the main thing with um, Star Wars, though, is that, it's yes. that action fight scene is like you got the story, but without the actual actual fight scenes, yeah, it's it's only Just half the, half the measure, yeah. and that evolution of the fight scenes yep. into the latest into the um, the Force Awakens or what? What was the last one? Uh, last, last Jedi. But yeah. Um, when we when we look at the fight scenes in there, and you compare it to the original, it's the evolution. Like even the gun battles, it's becoming more realistic. Where in the first one, the good guys almost never miss their targets. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah. now it's it's becoming more realistic. Like you don't just pop out from cover and you're sighting your target and hitting it, yeah. hiding behind a crate. At 50 yards away or whatever, that just doesn't happen. Like, guys who are professional soldiers aren't ne- I've, necessarily going to be doing that. championship pistol shooter, and he's happy if he goes 70% on a day. And he's and not he's jumping out of cover to hit a moving target. No one's shooting at him. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. There's but, a big, um... big difference when they, they – and, and that's – that, yeah, so that's we we got it, like we're showing the appreciation for where that's come through for that. That's probably where we've gone there. So yeah. yeah. So um, let's talk about the characters in the Last Jedi and how they how how they're interesting as well. Like um, Ray, for example, her story in this entire in this entire movie was an interesting interesting one. Would yeah. You say totally. Yeah. Yeah, I I love I love I love the storyline, man. I I really because Luke was always a whiny bit, always has been. You know, like I love Luke. My name is Luke. Like I dig Luke, but Luke was always, oh, do I have to? Do I have to go to Tashi Station? Oh, you know, like Ray's just a battler from the start, man. You know, and I I, I love her, love Ray, Kylo as well, man. My, my favourites were Ray, Kylo, and Junas, Jonas Sunas, the guy that's playing Chewbacca. I didn't think anyone would ever fill Peter Mayhew's shoes, and he is doing an amazing job of Chewbacca. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Sp- speaking of Ray and Kylo, I like how they 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 kept some aspects of the Last Jedi into this one as well, especially the 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 um. Oh, I wouldn't call it the the talks they have. Oh, the force talking. Yeah, the force yeah. talks. Like I know yeah. where you are, great. Yeah, which I, and I like the the twist they had in the middle of the film where they revealed that she's Palpatine's daughter, and you're like granddaughter, and you're like, ah, oh, you're kidding me. Yes, but even so, like talking about hitting roadblocks, man, I am happy to float with the best. Plot armor, not sure what's going on, type thing, right? But the way they just go, Emperor's alive, and I'm like, okay, rock on. You're like, you know what I mean? Like that, I really, you know, it's not like Phasma who was put in a garbage compactor and was back for the second one. You know what I mean? Like, 
Mm-hmm. He was thrown down a shaft. There was a massive explosion from him dying, and then the whole thing exploded. How the hell did he survive that? I had a real roadblock on it. Real roadblock on Oh, yeah. And then it turns out he was cloned, apparently. <laughs> but you see, nothing you see. That to me sounds like someone going, oh shit, someone has a problem with that. Oh, he's cloned. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I had real problem. As I said, like, dug it, but I had some real problems with it, man. Yeah. There was, okay, I will say, I, I got, there is one question me and Bucky were asking as we were coming out of the movie. So, is Rey a Sith or a Jedi? Because if you think about it, Palpatine said, like, if you kill him, he will be a, she will be a Sith, and she killed him. But no, 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 no. See, you asked the question. Don't say, don't drag me in on that. You were the one asking the question. Yeah, I was. I, I asked the question, and, and my my answer was no. She didn't. Is she though? But I mean, you, no. But you see, okay. Then the question I've got for you is: Why did the Emperor want her to strike the, him down? Why did the Emperor want to be struck down? That's the question you've got to ask yourself first, right? Now, it's the true. reason he wanted her to strike strike him down so that he could inhabit her body. Mm-hmm. That's why he did that. It's got like it's got nothing to do with who's a Sith and who's a Jedi or anything like that. Because the whole point, like even I think they're doing the same thing in the Mandalorian at the moment with Baby Yoda, right? No one is is innately good or innately bad. That was always George Lucas loved telling a black and white simple story because he grew up on Western. You have the the white hat and you have the black hat. It's really easy to tell who's who, right? Mm-hmm. The actual world is a multitude of shades of grey, right? And so what happens with that is that um, she, it's not whether she's light or dark. She just is because you've got to remember that, that Sith and Jedi are um, philosophies, right? They're not it's, – it's, it's like saying one's a Catholic and one's a Buddhist, Right. They're, they're, it's a it's a way it's a belief system that people follow. That doesn't make them light or dark. That's how the Jedi view, right? The Force isn't light or dark. The Force is neutral, and it, and how the person uses it decides whether they go to the light side or. Not. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And that's and that's the thing. Like that's why she's it, she's stepping away from that because you don't need to be light side or dark side. Don't get me wrong, I'm a wonderful person. I volunteer my time to help kids with special needs. That makes me light side, but I do some dark side shit too. <laughs> Humans are not inherently good or inherently bad, and that and that's that's the flaw they were trying to point out. That that was why the Jedi failed because they tried to make it a black and white issue when it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, like they cancel all attachment because attachments are bad. Attachments are the reasons people die ninety five percent of the time. It can be a good thing. But it depends on how it's used. Yeah, it says that was that was a more in depth response than what I gave to um, <laughs> well, DJ yeah. at the time. Was <laughs> I was uh, well, no, she's neither. She's Ray, mm. um, and she didn't kill him. He killed himself because he struck so. at her, and she just she just blocked defend herself. Yep, and it's yeah, it's kind of like a guy with a gun. He shoots a bullet. Like you have the where they're in the compactor in. Um, Return of the Jedi, and they yeah. shoot the blaster, and it's bouncing off the walls of the compactor. Now, if you shoot yourself there, you're killing yourself. Mm. You're not killed by the compactor. Well, it's but... like that old um, mm. NRA adage: guns don't kill people; people kill people. Guns are not yeah. inherently evil. It's like guns can be used to defend someone, and it's a very good thing. 
But guns can also be used to rob a store, which is a very bad thing. You know, it's not, we've got to start focusing on the force, more the person behind the force. You know, that's why I love the fact that they're going towards this grey Jedi thing. Like, again, talking about copping crap, I've been a grey Jedi my whole life because I don't subscribe to any view. I have my own view. That's, the, that's who I am psychologically as a person, right? Mm-hmm. And I've always loved it. And everyone's grey. Oh, you're grey because you can't make up your mind. And it's like, no, what it is, is it's understanding is the world is not a black and white place. Never has been, never will be. You know, mm-hmm. Trump's a horrible person and he's done some horrible stuff, but I'm sure there's some stuff he's done in between there that is good, but people just don't want to recognise it. I'm not pro-Trump by any stretch, but no one is inherently evil outside of maybe Hitler and Stalin. Mm-hmm. They were pretty horrible people. But, you know, not everyone, it's not a black and white issue. And that's the problem. That's the problem with society today is everyone is black or white. You know, as I said to you, it's all about nuance. You know, everyone is, this is the greatest movie ever filmed or it's a steaming pile of crap. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's somewhere in between. There's some bits yeah. I loved and some bits I didn't. Yeah. That's long. Yeah. But everyone's like, but it's not like Star Wars. And I'm like, you don't own Star Wars. All right. Um, okay. So let's continue on with the characters. Um, yeah, Finn's sure. journey in this movie that was a that was a very interesting journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I think he just got left behind. There was too much other stuff going on. It you was know, literally, so- they were trying to, it was like trying to put um, the Hobbit movie into one movie, into one movie wouldn't work. They had yeah. to put that into three movies. This is three movies that have been pushed into one, really. Like, there was just so much going on and so much that had to be explored. And he had a lot of loose ends to tie up as well. Like, yeah. JJ like, had a lot of loose ends to tie up. There's, there's, there's like, as we we're, were talking before we started recording, I was saying, like, there's, there's so many cracks there that can be exploited for further movies as part of the franchise. Yeah. If Disney decides to Whip it to death, or even spin-offs. Like, there's so much we can see with Finn, where he can have his own spin-off into all his universe aspects and yep. his life. Um, you can see that he's going to be one of those interesting characters that's going to go somewhere, and you're going to want to watch it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And like you're you're saying about like the 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 unfinished statement of. When they thought, when he thought they were going to die, and he wanted to say something to Ray, yeah, everyone just assumes it was he wants to say, "I love you," and professes yeah. undying love. It might be, "Thank you, Could you've given my say, life so much more meaning." Everyone you're the just assumes, I always wanted. Yeah, like you know, why does everyone want to have to share? Yeah, it's like everyone's everyone's just assuming it's this one thing, but there's so many nuances there, and you can see the depth of that character allowing that to happen. Like you could see him turning around and going, thank you. My life actually has a direction now because of meeting you and you pushing me to become who I am and you've helped me do this. And like, honestly, there's, 
they got the similar scene in um, Lethal Weapon 2, yeah. I think it is, where they, he, they, they got the bomb on the toilet. Yeah. And they look at each other, and he's just like, and Murtock looks at Riggs and goes, Riggs. And Riggs looks up and he goes, yeah, I know. It's, it's cool. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's just this unspoken commentary of, thank you. You're like, life's been so much better. It's not this, oh, I love you. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but social justice warriors and the black and white brigade can just go stick their head back into whatever orifice they've got it in because they're stealing oxygen that could be better used. But you've also got to remember that that's, that's the fault of Hollywood, man, because that's the trope. It's yeah, always a woman who wants a man. Like, <laughs> why? Like, like, everyone's like, it's such a shame that Ray finished up by herself. And I'm like, more power to you. You know, having a boyfriend or a girlfriend doesn't make you a better or worse person. But, in the, you know, in the movies, the girl's got to have the, you know, the boyfriend and all that. And I'm like, you rock on, sister. You found your own path that works for you. You know, cool. And so there was also one point there was there was theories and talk about um, Poe and Finn, I think it was. Yeah, being gay. Being, yeah. yeah like, there, there was talk, oh, because they hugged and they were excited to see each other. They, they're in love. I hug my Why? mates. Why? <clears throat> go, go, go we always give each other a hug. That doesn't mean I want to sleep with them. Yeah, but you um, also go look at some of the, the guys who are the biggest and meanest, baddest guys on the planet. You go put them through a, a massive battle scene. At the end of it, they always turn around and they get, they always give each other a, a, a handshake at the very least. It, like, <laughs> that you, you may not see if what if you ever are unfortunate enough to see a group of SAS boys at the end of a <laughs> battle situation. They may not oh, go up and give each other a hug, but I'm pretty sure they're giving each other a, a handshake or a slap on the back or something like that, even if it's only <laughs> mentally. Do not need a battle to have a hug, man. I used to drink with some SAS boys. They, yeah. because they're brothers, they've been through the crap together. So they they give each other a good hug all the time, and it doesn't mean a thing. Yeah, well, it's, it's as you said, they're brothers. I, you put you go in a situation like that, and and that's all that rec- represents. People are trying to dictate who, what, like what the relationship is going to be, and it's like, can't you just enjoy the story? Like, why do yeah. you have to try and dictate and? Add all this extra underlying meaning of it. Like, they've just come out of fighting for their lives mm. and they've survived. It's like, and, he, and they thought each other were dead at one point. Mm. Of course, uh, they're going to uh, go, Crikey, man, you're alive. <laughs> well done. Mm-hmm. All right, we should continue on, guys. Um, so, Poe's journey. Poe, well, he, he had a good, he, he had a good, um, he had a good, uh, say, role in this film. Like they explored a lot of things about Poe in this movie, but only See, lightly. Really, once again, I love Poe in the Last Jedi, man, because I love that. Because you know he was being taught that that just because you're the hero doesn't mean you can run off and do whatever you want. There's often plans and things in motion. So I think I love his story arc, going from being the guy that just wants to kill everything to becoming the guy that becomes a team player and joins it. I think it's excellent. Yeah, but it's also once again it's. They've only explored, like, by exposing that past of being a spice pirate. Yeah. Um, I can see them exploring, like, him becoming more like Han Solo. Yep. And Orlando Calrissian. So you could actually see Poe and Finn having their own spin-off movie franchise where oh, yeah. 
they they go out and they do the the Han Solo and Lando Calrissian thing, and oh, you could absolutely. see you could see all that happening, and you could see Finn sitting there looking at Poe going, "Hey, hey, hey, no, that's not right," mm-hmm. and being and and kind of like being the moral compass in some ways, but yeah, like there's just so many nuances that can go there because we saw so much more, but it left so many questions hanging that you want to see answered now? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I, I'm just, I'm really, like, he, he's, I think the problem is, is that they were trying, it was a, a four-hour movie that went for two hours. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like, you know, like I've said this to a lot of people, I really didn't feel emotionally invested in this. I think it was just so fast you didn't get a chance. Like, yeah, he's you know his character arc was pretty cool, but it's still he just went, oh, I'm I'm a flyboy, I do whatever I want. And the next movie, bang, I'm a responsible dude. You know what I mean? Like there hasn't been like you look at Captain America swearing for the first time. He's earned that. We've had seven films of mind your language, so you can see that he's starting to go a bit grey when he swears in the movie, and it, he's earned that right to swear. You understand what I mean? Because it's been mm-hmm. that backstory and build up and I think that's a problem because the films jumped so hard in story and philosophy and all that that sort of thing that the character arcs were as good as they could have been with what they had but it's still really hard as well because nothing was really earned you know it was just everything was given to them because we didn't have the three movies to really get attached to the characters because you think about it Poe's missing for most of the first movie Mm-hmm. You know, and then in the second movie, Ray's off by herself, and you know, I think Ray is such a good character because she had all of that time building her character with Mark Hamill, who was an absolute master. Yeah. You know, right. and that's what, and I think that's going to be the problem I'm going to have with the movie is that I didn't really, with a lot of those other characters, like I felt it really hard with Daisy and and um, Adam. But I think with a lot of the other people, it just they didn't have the chance to develop the character so that we could get into it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, okay. So moving along, um, Kylo Ren. <laughs> Boy, he had a very interest. He had another interesting arc. Like he he, he shifted so much <clears throat> from, uh, from a villain to an antihero to a, a villain again, then to an antihero again. <laughs> but it's kind of like the Anakin Skywalker Darth Vader thing, where it's you can see he he's chasing this ideal, and it's as Luke said, he's actually more of a, a grey Jedi because he can see there's so much more that could that it's it's the, the from the dark side that could be done, and there's the Order and all of that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he ignores at him with the, 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 the lighter side of his being where he's like, but no. And, yeah, that's something that I, all the way through with Kylo, it's one of those things that comes through. Yeah. yeah. You know, I loved, I, as I said, like my, the guys I really felt for and got involved with were, were both Adam, like Kylo and Ray. I think Adam Driver did a phenomenal job, like a phenomenal job. You know, I think in the years to come, he's really going to end up being. Uh, people are really going to appreciate what he. Absolutely, you know, he he's just given all the problems they've had 
with storylines and characters and arcs and all that sort of thing. He's done an absolutely sterling job to to become who he is, you know what I mean, within that character. Because it's, you know, they haven't had a lot of direction through, you know, they've been too busy, you know, everyone's been chasing their tails. But I think he did an amazing <laughs> in that role, absolutely amazing. I've read some for I've read some forums that there was they were theorizing that Kylo is now Ray uh, Kylo and Ray are now cousins apparently. <laughs> it, that depends on whether you believe in the. It depends on whether Palpatine was Anakin's dad through the Force, like because there was a comic that came out a little while ago that showed Palpatine hugging Shmi as she was pregnant, like a Force ghost of him hugging her. Because the problem is, is that in the Legends canon, Anakin Skywalker, well, it, no, in the normal canon, he is a virgin birth, right? Because mm-hmm. Shmi says there was no father, right? So there was a book called, um, which one was it? Was it the Palpatine one? No, Darth Plagueis. And it talks about how they used, they were doing a Sith ritual that allowed them to... Um, create life using midichlorians and that's supposedly how anakin came to be so that theoretically means that he is palpatine he, he is vader's dad which makes him kylo's great great grandfather no great grandfather and that if she's a palpatine that's her dad so yeah technically it's uncle it's auntie and uncle it's um game of thrones it's khaleesi and um john snow oh yeah <laughs> but it depends <laughs> on whether or not you believe that you know, giving birth through the four stuff. Oh, that's so weird. <laughs> so, okay. yeah, like there's, there's so much more going on there, but based on what you see in the movies, though, yeah, no. She's yeah. adopted into the family, so she's a, she's maybe a stepsister. But it's also like recognising like where... Because Ray's another grey Jedi. It's like there's not... It's not you're not good, you're not bad. It's you're you, and it's what you do. And how you behave defines who you are. In canon, because... in canon, they're called a force dyad. Is the official term for it now? Okay. Which means they're two halves of one. So that's the official terminology they use. I think in the visual compendium, the like the Rise of Skywalker visual compendium. Okay. But so that's why they were able to force Skype and stuff because they're through the force. They're two parts of the one being. So that's why they're able to do all that stuff together. And that's why when he gives up his life for her, they go from being a dyad to being one complete person. Does that make sense? Yep, yep. Which is kind of, okay, now that you mentioned all the Force abilities, now that you mentioned, this one was really weird with the Force abilities. Like, you had, like, you had, like, it's it basically just turned um every every Jedi to Jesus, basically, like... Yes, you can now automatically heal characters. And Kenobi, see, like, does, it, Kenobi does it in Star Wars, sir. Mm-hmm. And, but it's not everyone. And he puts his hand on him and brings him around. Now, I guarantee you he had a severe crown, cranial trauma being hit by one of those things, but he brought him around. So if you want to get technical, it's been in there since Star Wars. Ah. And the other thing is, and they actually touch on it, where they talk about how Razor Palpatine, because she's doing the lightning that brings down the dropships. Yeah. Yep. And from a Not combat, every Jedi has the, the same abilities. It changes from one person to the next. Yeah. yeah. That's why the Skywalkers were unusual, because they could do all of them. You know, um, 
Yeah, speaking, I like. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, uh, speaking of drop ships and stuff, how, well, I take it you, you and I, I think most of us here will, has been pretty shocked when they go, they they, they didn't kill Chewie, did they? If that's the way Chewie's gonna go, that's the worst way possible. And initially, then ah, uh, I was I was gutted. Oh I yeah, was, I knew. It. I was in there. I was in the cinema. I was like, no. And like, I was in. We were in a packed cinema. Like, there was literally like only like one or two seats that were left empty for the midnight screening. And there's a little bit of hum and buzz the whole way through where people are enjoying it and commenting quietly to each other and laughing and. All that sort of stuff, and then when the dropship was destroyed, everyone in the entire place it was just like dead silent. Everyone was just like, "No, no, no, <laughs> no! You can't kill Chewie." It's kind of like it's kind of like if they blew up R two D two, it would be the same sort of thing. It was just like, "No, you can't do this." No, yeah, because that, really, I really like. I didn't even think it was a problem. I like. I was like, there was no way. Like, they didn't have the the build up for, to give him the send off. I knew they wouldn't. I knew in my heart they wouldn't send him up that cheap. Yeah, that was that, that. I was like, luckily they didn't do it. Like, oh, thank God they didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. but, I mean, again, talking about getting thrown out of the movie, it was like that. Oh, there was a second dropship. Yeah. So anyway, let's continue. And I'm like, oh, you know, it felt a bit cheap. Really felt. Yeah, cheap. it was. Oh, oh. It was. It was pretty. We. I was. I was like, oh, you, bar, you, you, you mongrel, how dare you do that? Like, we're all sitting there hard in our mouth going, no, not chewy. And then, and then you do this, and then it's just like, ha-ha. I'll tell you the most emotional part of the movie for me was um, Chewie's howl when he found out Leia was dead. Oh. Right, I choked up on that. I was like, oh, dude. Yeah. You know? It was – you see, that's, that's the thing they, they – there wasn't enough exploration of the relationship between Leia and Chewie over the years, and because yep. they ignore the fact that um, Chewie was friends with Yoda. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's not something that's discussed enough in the movies. Like it's it's touched on lightly, and if you go look through the books, there's I know there's a few books there where they actually talk about Chewie and Yoda doing missions together. And Yoda being almost adopted into the family sort of thing because he spent so much time with all the Wookiees. Well, you so know that, his walking. Well, you know his walking. That's made was, out of sheer wood, Kashyyyk wood. You know the special wood, all the trees, walks in the trees or whatever they are. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, yeah. Gift, it was a gift from the Wookiee. Yeah. yeah, and see, that's something that's not discussed enough and brought out. Like the relationship between Yoda and the Wookiees. Considering the fact that Yoda was what he was supposedly over six hundred and fifty years old, nine, he was nine hundred again. Not yeah, um, yeah. And you look at Chewbacca, the Wookies, and because they still haven't even told us what race Yoda is. He's just Yoda. Yeah. Um, they're two extremely long-lived races. So I reckon if you sit there, you're looking at everyone else dying, you're going. Well, it's kind of painful getting to know you because you're going to be dead in 70 years. Mm-hmm. What am I going to do with the next 700 years of my life? Like, why am I going to waste my time getting too close and personal with you when the big hairy ape over here is going to be living for at least 350 to 500 years? I can have a good relationship with him. <laughs> I saw, I, I saw a, a meme the other day that was saying that 
Yoda and the Mandalorian. Oh, no, actually, no, Chewbacca and Han Solo. Chewbacca is just Han Solo's third door. Yeah. <laughs> life lengthwise, it's the same as having a dog. You know, it's great, but it's not there your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. And this is this is something I, I can't remember where I heard it. And it, Chewbacca could show up in the Mandalorian at some point because he, the longevity aspect of it, he's likely to still be alive. And because there was the relationship between Chewbacca and the Wookiees with Yoda. Oh, yeah. He would be drawn to him eventually, so that That's while the child's only fifty years old, he's yeah. We we, we should be sitting down and having a chat about the It's the last episodes tonight. What's today's Friday, isn't it? Yep. Last episode tonight. Oh, and if you want to talk about Star Wars series, there there are some standing Star Wars series and about that show. So yeah, like Yoda's a dark side clone. He had no problems force choking that chick the other night. But then again, it was because she um, was threatening the Mandalorian. Threatening the Mandalorian, yeah. And he's he's still coming to grips with who he is. But see, that's the thing. Yoda, in um, some of the stories, he used the force to push people aside and everything like that. So the force choke, once again, it's, it's, it's the same as throwing a punch. It doesn't matter whether you, See, I, you're not. It's not good or evil of, of itself. It's just a fighting technique. Absolutely, so, I reckon Yoda can talk. I reckon Yoda is well aware of what he's doing, mm-hmm. and he just because you think about it, everyone that comes in contact with him loves him. Right? Yes, he, he's just Jedi mind tricking his way around the galaxy. That's my call. I reckon at the end of it, he's going to go was up, and then we'll, we'll be off and running. <laughs> Fifty years old. He's had he's had time to develop and. Do his thing, so yeah, yeah. Man, no, I reckon I reckon he's gonna pop up and start rapping. Be, um, speaking of uh, cheap moments, what do you guys thought about my my biggest one was how when Palpatine's final order destroyed the uh, spice pirate planet, and then all of a sudden, and, and Poe was like, "Oh my god, everyone that I knew in that planet died," and all of a sudden, oh, they wake them back up, they're, they're alive again. But what they weren't destroyed; they were attacking it and searching. Did they actually destroy the planet? Yeah, they did. It was the um, the, the one of the cannons. Ah, the yeah, I'm pretty sure one of it. But you see, this is the problem with the movie is because it goes so quick, you don't know what's happening. Like that's what I found. Like I had real problems sort of following it, you know. And I've noticed it different people. Like, did you see Wedge in there? Yeah, I yes. did. A few, a, a short second. Yeah. Yeah, like he was on there for nine on two seconds. But, you know, I know a lot of people that had no idea that was Wedge. They didn't even name check him. He was just a face that it's like they just wanted to pay minimum scale for the day. So he just popped up and then it was done and move on. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's just very rushed. You just didn't get a chance to explore anything. There was so, okay, I will say there was so many callbacks to like the trilogy, to all the trilogy, to the OT, the, um, the OT, the prequels, and even the new one. Yeah, there were so many callbacks. Oh, absolutely. But that's JJ's speciality. You know, that's why they got him back on board to, you know, tie up all the loose ends and fan service, everything that could be fan service. Like we were talk- I think, did we talk about Chewie's medal beforehand or did we talk about it in here? No, we'll talk about it during the show. Yeah. Yeah, because that did my head in. Because, as I said, I was excited about that for half a second, and then I just felt like, well, that was cheap, man. That was a cheap little bit of fan service, you know? 
Okay, okay. Uh, okay, how about okay, what about that moment? Okay. I think we're kind of veering off here. What, okay, what about that moment with Kylo Ren and Han Solo after the fight? Didn't like that. Like that hit me in the face. Like I was what the hell, what's he doing here? Damn it, like that really knocked me out of the film, man. Really knocked me. Like I was swore. Like what the F's this? What the F's going on? Like it just it just came out of nowhere and there was no warning. Yeah. Like, even if they'd had his voice first and then he appeared, I would have been cool with that. Just sort of smacked you in the face and out he came. Yeah. My, it was also the same case with Luke and when he came out, it's a like, oh, yes, every, everything is close within you. And then Ray finds that, um, Ray finds that Wayfinder, is it? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, she finds it so immediately. I'm like, what? How? That's so weird. <laughs> See, I loved Luke coming out. That coming out of the fire, I thought, like you know how we we're talking about the stuff JJ moments in the Last Jedi, yeah. Him walking out and catching the saber that J- that Ryan threw away. I thought that was a good little dig. Yeah, because um, you know, Ray throws it away like Luke did, but Luke walks out of the fire and catches it and hands it back to him. Oh yeah, that was good. Yeah, yeah. but it was also um, there was like after the movie before, like when Luke. Just he turns into pure force energy. Everyone was yeah. like, "Oh, Luke's dead." No, he's become one with the force. And like this is, I I've had so many arguments with people about this. And I mean, like the, the D, DJ and I were almost coming to blows at one point where he kept saying, "No, oh, no, Luke's dead. Luke's dead." I'm like, "No, he's not. He's just done. He's done a Yoda and an Obi Wan. He's become one with the force." But it's, you see, that, that he's, was he's just, confusing because how about Leia? She just magically oh. becomes one with the Force, and they go, oh, you need to help Ben, but we don't know how. Because you're talking about the solo moment. Apparently, that was supposed to be Carrie that had that conversation. Yeah. But because she was dead, she couldn't do it, and that's why they had to put Han in there. But that, again, mm-hmm. that was brutal. That just, that just, nowhere. Okay, let's go, to, let, let's um, speed up to the climax of the movie when Ray confronts Palpatine. Oh, this one was... Really interesting. <laughs> but is that the climax of the movie, though? Because well, not really the climax, but the lead up to the climax. So, okay. So where are you going? Okay, so like how Ray finally meets Palpatine, and Palpatine saying, "Strike me down," and she, and then he said, so, he says, "If you don't strike me down, your friends will die. Will, your friends won't die." And she cho- no, he shows- he, if if you strike me down, your friends won't die. If you if you do, they won't. I, yeah, if you don't strike me down, your friends are going to die. If you do strike me down, they won't. We can keep them alive. Yeah, yeah. And I like how he's showing her the image of um of them struggling in the of uh, of the fighters struggling. I'm just thinking to myself, this is sort of like the whole Endor scene where it's like, oh, I don't know whether the I don't know whether your friends know that this shield generators are operational. But yeah, again, but that's, that's typical. Yeah. That, that's standard. Um. Palpatine move. It's the line that he's gone through before. And if he's a clone, there's minimal amount of his own like there's gonna be minimal difference because the same same thing again. Yoda became one with the force and so did Obi Wan and that. Why can't the dark side do the same? So the 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 in universe thing is because they're not um you have to be at peace to be able to do it and because Sith also, because you've got to remember the whole point of being a Sith is you want to live forever. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like you want to you want to keep going, which is 
the exact opposite of becoming one with the force is. That's why on a um, spiritual level, they could never do it because you have to be calm and at peace and both sit, die angry, you know, because they live angry, you know. Yes, yeah. exactly. And that's the thing that they that people haven't actually appreciated. So, therefore, the Palpatine persona, if he's a clone, is only part a, a recording of that personality? No, no. It depends on whether you... So, if you go... Like, have you read all of the old school ones, like Timothy Zahn and all those ones? No, like the old no not all of them. Right, so in those, he kept coming back because there's a, there's a thing called force transfer that they can do, which yep. means that... When the when they die, like that's how the emperor came back in the original um, Dark Empire comic, mm-hmm. is that he had clones scattered all around the galaxy. So it's like having a a blank copy of your physical self, and you force transfer the essence over. So when they go over, it's the original person. Yeah, but okay, he's he, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I I get that part. But here's the thing: if you're going to get the clone made of yourself, wouldn't you have it so that it's a perfectly formed clone? But you see, again, that that depends on because again in the comics, like this is this is the problem with them cribbing from the EU because when they crib from the EU, you don't know if it's a direct crib or their version of it. Yep. Right. Is that over time, clone bodies apparently are way more susceptible to the dark side decay than what a normal body is. Okay. And that, yeah, yeah, and that's why I had the problem with it. You look at him; he's all crusty. Is that from the explosion or is that from Dark side corruption. I think that's. I don't normally pick on plot points, but that was something that really struck me. I'm like, so is is that the original one? And he's hanging on to life. What's going on? Yeah, you see, know? that was that was the thing I was struggling with as well. Because if that was the original one, there would have been a lot more going on that made sense. But there would have been a lot more that he would have been doing as well. Yeah, because he would have been a lot more powerful than what we expected. So, that, yeah. Um, and he, he would have been able to drain life from... He wouldn't have had to have just drain it from his own child. He could have drained it from anyone. That's correct, yeah. yeah. So, that therefore, was... once again, he should have still been nigh on perfectly healthy. He wouldn't have been hanging off of a giant robotic arm, keeping him alive while his body was falling apart, and then he had to drain Ray and yeah. Kylo to heal himself. He could have yeah. been healing himself previously off of... Slaves that they stole from wherever, like the Gelflings in um, the Dark Crystal. Yeah, <laughs> like there's this. It's just there's the questions there where there's that just surrounding that whole thing. It's just yeah, it just. I just need help. Like that's that's why I was so confused with it. Like I normally, I'm not one of those people that picks up on plot points. You know, like I'll sit down and discuss like. I did my university degree in popular culture. I did history and English through popular culture. So when I watch a film, I watch it once and once as a fan, and then I watch it as a text. Do you get what I mean? Yep, yep. Yeah. And this one made me watch it as a text from the beginning, and it really. I want to still have that sort of fun. But interestingly enough, a good mate of mine is a Lucasfilm artist. He's worked for Lucasfilm for thirty years. His name's Mark Ratt, and he hated the Last Jedi, but absolutely loved it. Because it was all of the fun. Like he he doesn't look at it as deeply as I do. So if you don't look at it as deeply as I do, it's a fun rollicking adventure. But mm-hmm. once you start looking into it, there's plot holes, plot holes, and stuff the size of the Grand Canyon. You know, 
So yep. yeah, I'll be I'll be look. I didn't hate it, but I, I really think I need to watch it a second time. I didn't go in with expectations. It's not like I went, oh, this is not the movie I was expecting. Hmm. It just took a lot of left turns that really, really messed with me. Yeah, it's I, I overall, like especially in that last scene, like the the big, like the only truly unanswered questions were the ones surrounding the emperor, and yeah, like. Um, Kylo giving himself, giving his energy to heal Ray. Yeah, that that actually fitted, and the fact that yeah. when he did that, his body disappeared, and so did Leia's. That's yeah. they're both at peace. He's accepted and gone, become at peace, and he's become one with the Force. Leia's at peace because he's come back to being her son and being what she wanted him to be. Yeah. So. Any angst that she had has gone. Yeah. So yeah, like this, like everything in that that was perfectly summed up, and it fits with everything else with all the canon and everything. They're at peace. They've become one with the force. So when you see the scene where Ray's burying the lightsabers, and you see Leia and Luke standing there, shoulder to shoulder, smiling, and she gives the name as. Um, Ray Skywalker, yeah. like that fits. Like she's she's chosen. She's going to do good, but she's not the light side or the dark side. She's just her. going. She's 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 me, yeah. sort of thing. And and it's just like you look at it and you just go, yeah, that that's that's great. And that fits so well with everything I, from the very beginning. Like yeah, there was George Lucas was very black and white, but. I think we've discussed it in um, the normal podcast where we say about the fact that George Lucas's wife and a number of other people came in and told him to shut up because he was being a fool and helped rescue the the, mo- the series because he was going George too far in one way and his wife's come in and other people have come in and they've said, no, 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 don't do this, don't do this, do this. And that's the moment sort of being pivotal to the success. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that it was the, um, yeah, his oh. It was George Lucas's wife, yeah, who was doing the editing of the movie. So she managed to save some of the most of the movie from a horrible mess to a manageable movie to watch. Well, it's not just that it was it wasn't just her, there was other people involved as well, like um well, and all those guys did the same thing too. George <laughs> Lucas is a great ideas man, but he's horrible at execution. Oh yeah. yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Um, like, like the greatest film of the original trilogy was Empire, which was the one he had the least to do with. Yeah, I was going to. I was, I was actually going to say, like um, George Lucas, in one of his early interviews, credited a lot of the success for um, A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back to his director of cameras and a couple of those guys, because yeah. he would come up with the idea and they would make it work. Mm-hmm. And he would sit there and he'd be going, "Oh no, 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 I want the other one." This. And they're like, yeah, 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 hang on, hang on. Just shut up and let us do our thing. And then you can look at it and you'll be happy. And See, then they'll go and do their thing and he'll be sitting there looking at it and he go, oh, damn, that's actually good. The prequels uh, untouched George Lucas. Do you get what I mean? Like, because George Lucas on them was at the point where he didn't have to say anything, you know, like no one would stop him. Like when, yeah. I, was trying, like when I was training with Kyle, he was telling me that every day the um, Ewan and Hayden, 
were going to George, going, man, don't do this. That's not what the character would do. And George would go, shut up. I'm the director. Do it this way. Because George, the prequels were was George's way of playing around with um, special effects. That's yep. what it was. To George Lucas was a special effects trilogy. He wanted to see how far he could push digital special effects. So he didn't really give a shit about storyline. He didn't really give a shit about dialogue. It was about trying to create exactly what he wanted. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And to see how far he could push the digital stuff. That's what the trilogy was for George. Yeah. You know, which, which is a shame. But, you know, like that's why you look at how wooden, like George has never been a good dialogue, ever. Yeah. You know, but his creativity and his ability to get that story started are absolutely outstanding. You know, yeah. but he needs to write it and then step back and let someone else do the work. Yeah, it's kind of like um, I think it was Mussolini had um, one of his best mates the whole time would argue with him, and once and and while he was around, Mussolini was successful. But after he got rid of him, things just went wrong. And you're George always, Lucas is the same. You. you always need someone to challenge. You know, absolute power corrupts absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I, it's just it's just I, it's that's the biggest problem for a lot of those movies was just the the director has to respect and and encourage the people around them to call them out on their stuff. Yes, totally, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I think uh, we've we've rabbit, rambled on long enough. I think. <laughs> I think yeah, we covered a lot of big stuff. Yeah, like I mean, I mean, what's uh, the only question we have left is what's this? What's the future of Star Wars now that the trilogy, now that the Skywalker trilogy is ended? I mean, what well, we do, baby yeah. Yoda, baby Yoda, baby Yoda. <laughs> Although um, here's, here's an interesting. Oh, here's the other interesting thing with it though, the um the whole that scene with Bill with um Billy D Williams and the girl saying like, hey. Would you like to know who you are? And I'm going, okay, that's, uh, you know, that's going to be another trilogy on its own. He was, uh, I couldn't work out because apparently that's his daughter, according to the Rise of Skywalker Visual Dictionary. That's apparently his daughter because he lost a daughter around the same time that spoke. Oh, okay. So the way he said it made it sound, made him sound like the creepy old uncle. <laughs> and it really disturbed me, like, really disturbed me. Oh, but um, yeah, like the, the direction. While well, we've also said, like, yeah, apart from Baby Yoda, there's the um, Finn and Poe. You know, they've got a whole universe they can explore now. And if you read the books, there's so much more. Um, the Mandalorian has opened the doors to the Bounty Hunters Guild, which there's so many books written about that. You've got um, the Warlords now that were. Previously, um, stormtroopers and imperial governors and all that that have got troops around them and the new order, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, like there's so many different plots, but the way that they to explore it is the way that the Mandalorian's been done in a TV series more than just movies because there's so much more that has to be done in depth. Like, yeah, as we said that. There's so much in the movie that that you're looking at, and it's just barely skimming the surface of the mm. story, especially I for really... Finn and Poe. And it's like, 
you can have an entire series just looking into one or the other or both of them going off and just the adventures they can have. Yeah, I I really think they're just getting the movie done to get the movie done, and I think that's why they've got Favreau on for um, The Mandalorian. I think they're just going to start rebuilding the galaxy from The Mandalorian outwards, and I think that will be, be the beginning of the, the Disney um, Star Wars cinematic universe. <laughs> you know, so... The problem is, the, the biggest problem Disney had is they listen to the fans, but the problem is the fans don't know what they want, right? So mm-hmm. they make F7 and they go, let's make F7. Oh, I want it to be just like Star Wars. I love Star Wars. And then they went, no, this sucks. It's too much like Star Wars. And they went, all right, Merry Christmas. Here's Ryan Johnson, the exact opposite of the last film. I don't like that. That's changed it too much. Do you get what I mean? So the, yeah. pro- the, the, the problem with doing the nine is that people are emotionally invested in those characters, so you're never going to make them happy. Why is Baby Yoda the greatest thing ever? Because we never knew who wanted him until he appeared on screen. Yeah. Yep. Do you get what I mean? You've got to develop new emotional bonds for people to snuggle up to, and I think that's what they're going to do. Just let the old things die. You know, that's the end of the trilogy. I don't think we'll be seeing Ray or Poe no, back anytime soon. No. No, mm-hmm. They said, I think um, uh, I did really report Ray, uh, the guy, Ray, Poe, and Finn are, yeah, their journeys are over. That's what they said, yeah. the actors themselves. Yeah. That's what I mean. So I just think it'll just, we'll just kick off in the new one and it'll be all exciting and new and then we'll work on it. I yeah. really think the way it's going. Yeah. Uh, anything and, else? And we, can, we can still end up with um, a Wookiee joining Baby Yoda. Dude, that would be awesome. I just, mm-hmm. I just, want to watch hours and hours and hours of Baby Yoda. Uh-huh. I love Baby Yoda. I love him. <laughs> I, love him the, I love him the way I love my daughter. <laughs> oh, I reckon I, we need more Baby Yodas in Queensland because <laughs> the way he eats frogs, I can see the cane toad epidemic becoming oh. normal. <laughs> oh, okay, so anything else to add in before we wrap it up? No, I'm pretty happy with that. I think we covered everything. Yep. Um, as always, remember to take care of yourselves, look out for each other, and stay hydrated. And if you see a fiery, buy him a cold drink and say thank you. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's it for today. Um, hope to see you. Hope to see you on our regular scheduled um, podcast uh, podcasts. Um, also, thank you, um, Luke, for um, for where, where can so where can they find you, um, Luke? Uh, www.sonsofobiwan.com or uh, Facebook Sons of Obi-Wan AU, Instagram Sons of Obi-Wan. Awesome. Awesome. We'll, we'll attach all these addresses on, we'll attach all the details on our um, show notes. Anyways, uh, see you guys. Thank you, Happy New Year. Oh, yeah. Take care. Take care. <laughs>
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.